okay, just picture this. All these people sitting together eating. China, Macedonia, Spain, Mexico, Peru, Brazil, Romania. Incredible. Insane, right? Incredible. Hi, my name is Nicole, your host of The Lady in Pink. What's up, everybody? I am back. As you can see, my voice has recovered a little bit. A little bit, but we're here. We're doing great. I'm feeling alive. I'm feeling so much better. I got my spunk back. I don't... I don't know if you can tell, but definitely did. Um, I hope everyone had a great week. Happy Tuesday. I hope you guys enjoyed my first episode. I got a lot of great feedback, and I appreciate every single one of you who tuned in and listened. And I had a lot of people reach out to me that I haven't spoken to in years that I didn't even know paid attention to this. So I appreciate all of you, and I hope to continue inspiring all of you. So thank you. I have my very first guest that I'm so excited to introduce. One of my very best friends. She's like a sister to me. I have two sisters, but she is like a sister. Like a twin flame almost. Oh. For those of you who are into astrology. <laughs> you know those TikToks are like astrology, girl, astrology girls run away from. Any hoodle in twin flame. Okay. So Mallory, say hello. Hi, everyone. Welcome, 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 welcome. I'm really excited to have you. I will give a little introduction about Mallory. Mallory and I met through her younger sister, Mackenzie, who I went to college with and became very, very close with. She's also another one of my best friends. She's the Asplund sisters are like family. Mallory and I met after at one of Mackenzie's swim meets her senior yeah, year. Yeah, her senior year. And we just clicked immediately. Mallory said she was moving to Milwaukee and maybe knew like two or three people. And I said, oh, absolutely. I'm taking you under my wing. You're coming into my group. And thank God. Thank God. It's been, it's been smooth sailing ever since, right? Yes. Ah, welcome. So I was going to give a little bit more of an introduction. Did you want me to like share like where you went to school and stuff or kind of just? I feel like that's good. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's in the past. We're in the present. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Before I get into um, our little thing that we're about to do, our little game, Mel and I are going to do like a rip the bandaid off game to jiggle it out. I don't know why I just said that. (laughs) Um, I want to introduce my new segment called Nikki's Tea. So it's about what we're drinking while we are talking. Yeah. And so this week is, it's called Monique Cellars, a Sauvignon Blanc. From, Free bottle. Yeah, it's that's why I bought it. You guys, there's an oh, M it's on an it. M. And it has flowers all of it. Yeah, do you want it? You could put flowers in it afterwards. Sure. Um, it's from the Central Coast, and it's 13.8% volume. That's how I buy wine is I... I pay attention to the alcohol content. Smart. I mean, um, yeah, the percentage of alcohol. Yeah. So cheers. And we're going to give you guys a little review on it really quick. Oh, God. I'm not very good at this. Put your nose at the top of the glass. Well, I'll preface with I had gum right before this, but honestly, it paired nicely with my gum. Ooh, what flavor of gum? Okay, I'm being a little dramatic. It was mint, so. This is definitely um, not watered down. It tastes like wine. It's smooth. It definitely could be paired with a wine and cheese. It's not too sweet. It's not too sweet. It's definitely an end of the day after work, sit at home. I really, really like it, actually. I do, too. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who live in Wisconsin, I found this wine at Whole Foods over on, what is that, North Ave? Yeah, North. In Milwaukee. 
It's a great, it's a great solve. So that's Nikki T for the week. Okay, and so Mallory and I, before we get into our topic for today, we're gonna do a minute to win it, and we're gonna do pet peeves. Mal, I okay, I'm gonna set the timer. Okay. And I'm very prepared. I already had a list in my phone. You guys, Mal keeps her pet peeves in her Not phone. Not in like a negative way, just if it's, something bothers me. I know she <laughs> <laughs> okay wait so are we like going back and forth yes you can start and then and then i'll start okay and do i need to explain myself or just say it yeah maybe explain just okay whatever feels best for you okay, okay ready go when people hold in their smiles like this used to bother me growing up in school if someone raised their hand and the teacher called on them and they were like okay no one can see me but like acting like coy and i'm like just smile we know you want to smile <laughs> <laughs> Mallory, I could, feel, I could feel the blood boiling. <laughs> Mine is slow walkers. Mm. I'm like, one, two, one, two, left, right, left, right. I don't understand why we're walking so slow. No, just me? No, I get that. I put my blinker on. I'm like, vroom, zoom and pass. Depends on my mood, but yes. Okay, okay, mine, when people look over their glasses as they talk to you, rather than like looking through them. It's like, take them off or look through them for me. I've done that. And I know you People do. make fun of me a little bit. So I'm, gonna, okay. I'm, gonna, I'm doing oh, it to Mallory right now. <laughs> um... Number one biggest pet peeve is when people enter an elevator before you even get off. Good one. Drives me insane. Okay, I'm going out of order on my you have list. 10 seconds. Okay, when people don't use a blinker when they should, because if I'm waiting for them, but really they were turning and I could have gone, oh, that bothers me. Oh, I literally will you yell have road rage in so my car and I'm like, a blinker would have helped as if they could hear me. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, we're a little bit over the minute, but I'm going to share one more. Movie talkers absolutely not do you just want to take something and whack them with it and be like please stfu for me it depends obviously like if, if i'm in a theater it's like don't talk but if it's more casual i'm fine <laughs> no can i actually quickly share really quick a funny story a guy fell asleep next to me at the theaters and was snoring and his elbow slipped off of those um recliner things and hit me he woke up and went oh my bad and went right back to sleep snoring I wanted to ask for my money back. What movie? That must have been a packed theater to be right next to someone. Well, you know the um, the recliners? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. His elbow slipped and, and budged me so hard. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> I haven't been to the movie since. Oh, so. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, wow. A minute goes by fast. Yeah. Felt like we had our own little Ellen DeGeneres, like, show moment your little keep your smile in is that really your number one pet peeve mal i don't know if i would say number one no it's like (laughs) it's not maybe my number one but it's very much up there it's maybe like my longest that's funny going i feel like you can really tell about somebody based on their pet peeves oh geez mine would definitely be road rage and i really need to work on it that is a goal of 2022 i understand it is a self-reflection thing when i'm behind the wheel scary something comes over me and I don't recognize myself. I really need to work on it. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So I'm going to explain a little bit why I asked Mal to be my guest. So Mallory is the definition of someone who lives unconventional. I think we all kind of are just raised that you go to school, you go to college, you get a degree. After school, you graduate and you you go get a job. Mal did the complete opposite of that. I think... A lot of times there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of pressure of, oh my gosh, I don't even know if I want to do this. I don't know. You settle for a job or you, there's just this sense of almost urgency and rush that you 
you don't really give yourself a chance to just live post-college. Like, why is it so immediately start into your life? I think, yeah, college is wild. You have four years of kind of dicking around, but you really don't do a lot of growth in college. I think it's after college is when you do the most growth and you definitely took the path of opening up opportunity and experiences and meeting new people and really took the untraditional path. And so that is why Mallory is here. And I kind of want you to just like, that's your like lead way into explaining what you did. So when I graduated college, I really didn't have an idea of what I wanted to do. And well, what did you go to school for? So I graduated with a degree in leisure youth and human services, emphasizing in nonprofit management. So I did my internship with a nonprofit and I really liked it. Um, and I guess I was searching in that field, but nothing, I, I wasn't really pulled to anything. Um, so I was kind of just browsing online and I remember thinking it'd be really cool to somehow incorporate travel into what I'm doing. And I just did like a classic Google jobs that involve traveling. And there was like flight attendant. Um, I don't even know what else. And then there was something about cruise ships. And so I had never even been cruising before. You had, right? Well, know what's crazy is I went on a cruise when I was in middle school. And shame on me for being so close-minded. I thought only people from Europe worked on those ships. I didn't think Americans did. I mean, not a lot do. So when you told me that you weren't on cruises, I was like, what? Americans can work on cruise ships? I didn't know oh, that. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I was looking into it, and it was really easy to apply. So I just clicked it. And it honestly moved pretty quickly. I heard from a recruiter. I did an interview or two. I was offered a contract on Oasis of the Seas with Royal Caribbean. That was my first ship. And it was the biggest cruise ship at the time. And so they, they sell that to you when they offer you the job. You've been you've been selected to work on this ship and and it's really like looks very glamorous in a way. Side note, yeah. Did you when did the Google process happen? Was it like 3 months post like and you were about to graduate or was this you moved home and you were like I don't know what I'm doing next? So I graduated, I went to Memphis for like a summer. I thought And where'd you graduate from? University of Northern Iowa, go Panthers. Um, wanted to give you that moment. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Go Hawks. I know you've already shouted them out. So I went to Memphis for like a summer and then I went back home. Right out of college you went to Memphis? Yes. Okay. Like that summer. Went back home and I think I want to say I joined my first ship in November of 2014. So I think it was probably October Okay. that I was looking. But like I said, it really did happen quick. By the time I applied, I remember going downstairs and I said to my mom, I just applied to work on a cruise ship for Royal Caribbean and she was like, okay, cool. And I don't know if she thought it was a serious thing, but then it happened quick and I had my bags packed and off I went. That's really exciting. Yeah. So, okay, I'm going, let's, I want to go through this whole journey. Okay. So, I mean, first, do you want me to tell you like where I went or do you want to start with your questions first? I kind of want to... First and foremost, what was your, like, when it happened and you knew it was going, did you get any feedback from anyone saying, Mal, what are you doing? This is absolutely not what you should be doing. Did anyone give you heat or judgment or were they just like, wow, this is really cool. Go travel. Go have a good time. 
Yeah, honestly, no one made me feel weird about it. My family thought it was really cool. All of my friends really thought it was cool. I did get people saying like, oh, I could never do something like that. Good for you, stuff like that. But I never really felt that you weren't. That I was doing something weird or like, okay, that I shouldn't be. I never got that vibe from anyone, which is good. Yeah, so... Um, so the initial process is you're hired, and then you get, like, a list of what to pack, and then where oh, you're supposed to meet. You get, like, a shitty list. It's so embarrassing. I packed, like, a dumbass, but I went off of their list, but it's, like, all black for, like, a, a night that you have to wear all black. So there's, like, a formal dress. I had no idea that people... I didn't know what was the norm, okay? Yeah. Um, like, I didn't know people could bring your own khaki shorts, and I was wearing... The ones the ship provided, God help me. <laughs> they were like they were like unisex, and you know those belts that like they wear for like um, military like or like police force, like the khaki belt that has like that metal yes clunky yes, thing. I'm cringing now. I was wearing that with a collared Royal Caribbean shirt. I Do you looked, have a picture. I don't know that I'd show you. Yeah, probably. Oh, I, I show, just I want to show the fans. Okay. Um, (laughs) yeah. So they send like a packing list. Um, you're given, I'm trying to remember. I don't think they. Yeah. What's the process from you're hired to when you're, it's time to go. So I was leaving out of Fort Lauderdale, staying in Miami, and then they would shuttle us to Fort Lauderdale. So you get like the packing list, your flight information, and that type of schedule of like when to be where. Okay. So that was the initial setup. Okay. And now... So tell how many contracts did you do all together? So I did four total. One I was transferred halfway through. So I kind of count that as like four and a half. Now um, were these contracts how in a year, what was the time frame between the So con- I was a youth staff and our contracts were some of the shortest just because they say it's, I mean, it, it is seen as a high stress job just because you're in charge of the kids and safety is yeah. a huge thing. Um, so our contracts are five months. You do have the option to extend. And I think I extended twice only for like a month or two. But I remember there's some positions like I want to say the spa, their contracts were like nine months. That's yeah, a I long feel like time. the cruise ship, um, the, the people, director, the director, are there's like a year? No, no. The like activity staff, theirs is more around six months, I would say. So you're on that boat. For five months. I mean, of course you get off on land and stuff, but you're working straight. Like, you really don't have a full day off. You have some days where you maybe don't start until, like, 6 p.m., but then you're you're kind of on that later shift. But you don't have – it's not like you work five days and then have two days off. So, okay, in my head I was thinking it was, like, a month. So, uh, okay, so you signed up for a five-month contract right out of college and said by five months you went to a ship. Yeah. And I I left. It was right before Thanksgiving. It was like the holiday season that I went. Wow. I know. Okay. So where did you, where were your contracts? What the? Okay. So my first contract, I wrote this down because it's very hard to remember. My first two contracts were the same. So my ship was out of Fort Lauderdale and I was on the Oasis of the Seas for both. And we went to like Labadee, Haiti, which is one of Royal Caribbean's private islands. Um, Oh, I didn't know that. I think I went to... Mexico, Jamaica, they because they would alternate every other week, the ports. Oh, cool. And then, like, St. Thomas, St. Martin. I've been there. 
beautiful. Belize, maybe. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, I love. Yeah. Um, so that was my first two years. And after my first contract, I was a little bit bummed because I wanted somewhere different. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do it again. It was fun. And then it was actually like a blessing in disguise because when I came back, I didn't have to fully say bye to everyone. So when I came back, there wasn't as much fear because I knew some people. And there were people that I saw that I really thought I would never see again. People that I didn't work directly with, but someone maybe in housekeeping that I would walk by every day. And and then you start saying hello to them. And now I, I don't think I'll ever see those people. But it was cool being able to have like a connection with people right off the bat, the second contract. You just said something that before we get into where you went, Mm -hmm. what was your biggest fear before you left? I don't really remember exactly before I left. I think the normal fears of something totally new and not knowing what to expect. But now that you say that, so I got to Miami and I went to check into my hotel room because they put you in a hotel and I had like all of this luggage and it was you know, a hotel where you enter from outside. So I checked in and then I had to go through like, I had to cross like two buildings to get to my actual room. And I opened the door and I'm like, oh, finally, like I get to just relax. And there's someone laying in a bed and all this stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And she was on, (laughs) she was like FaceTiming. And I didn't like stare because I'm like, oh God, I am in the wrong room. How is this key working? I was like, I am so sorry. I trudge all the way back to the front desk and I said, yeah, I think there's a problem. Someone's in my room. And he looked at me like I was insane. He's like, yeah, you have a roommate. You're sharing a room. And I was like, oh. That would have been nice to preference. Well, I go all the way back and then I'm like, you could have told me that I'm in here with you instead of making me feel. I just remember she was up all night on the phone. But it makes sense because of the time difference. I think she was from the Philippines. Oh, wow. And I was... Yeah, and so, so I was just wait, very nervous. Wait, Mal, you literally walked into a room, never met this person, and had to spend the night in the room with them. Yeah, and I would have a panic attack. And that person wasn't even—it's not even someone necessarily on your ship. How did you adapt to that? I would literally be like, "Uh, I have sleep issues. I cannot sleep in the same room with someone I don't even know." I don't really. I, I, we just kind of kept to ourselves. She wasn't the friendliest—not in a bad way. She—I swear to God, she was on her phone the whole time. And I was like, that's so awkward. I think I was like, have you like done this before? And she Okay, had. so you kind of just had to rip off the band-aid, get to know her. Yeah. Okay. Um, wow, curveball. Hello. But then, so then the next morning, you get on this shuttle and it's like you feel like you're in a zoo almost. Like, Oasis of the Seas, board the shuttle here. And then, oh, I just forgot about this. I was with this woman from I think she was from Romania and she was a bartender and she was going to be on my ship and she actually worked in like the crew bar and coffee area and she was like my little mom on the ship just because she had done so many contracts she was like stay by me I'll tell you how this is I'm filling out paperwork and I'm like what the hell am I doing and she was right next to me it was just like comforting in a way that's amazing yeah I love that so that was that was like the very beginning of my first contract that experience okay so you literally I don't think you had time to fear anything it was let's go yeah because I think the anticipation's the worst part and I think that about a lot of things but you're thinking of all the things that could happen or what you're nervous for but then when you're in the moment it's just happening and you have to like figure it out and I kind of love that I kind of just to like use that as a learning moment that is truly how you just figured 
figure it out. You don't have time to second guess. You don't have time to to figure out like, oh my gosh, did I? You just do it. And for you me, just go into it and do it. I overthink certain things, or especially like I, I said, the everything. anticipation of things. So for me, just getting thrown into something is better than too much prep. Me too. Yeah. Throwing with the wolves. I think I'm the same way. I'm like, you know what? I'll figure out how to survive. Just throw me in there because yeah. if I sit there and try to analyze how I'm going to survive, then I ba- I talk myself out of it and I say, you know what? It's now is not the time. I don't, yeah. I don't think it's the right move. I'm going to have to not do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's what I did for this podcast a thousand times. And here we just are. rip it off the bandaid. Okay. Okay. Do you tell want me to... about... Yes. Tell me where... Tell everyone where you went. Okay. So my first contract, like I said, Caribbean, same as the second. And my second contract, I left November 2015-ish. So that's like a full year. Yeah. Then I remember saying, if I get the Caribbean again, eh, I don't know if I want to do it. Yeah. Not because... I love the weather... The people were so great, but I really just wanted to see more. New experiences, absolutely. And so they gave me the Caribbean again on a different ship, a smaller ship. And then they said, but halfway through, we're going to transfer you to a brand new ship that's still being built in Europe. And I was like, so they call it like the startup team, I think, or takeout, one of the two. And I thought, okay, that's worth it. I'm, I have to do it. And I remember when I joined, my third ship was Independence of the Seas. And it just seems much smaller and it's not that small, but it seems so much smaller than the Oasis. But I loved it. Part of me thinks my mindset would have shifted if I started on a smaller ship just because on the bigger ships, there's so many people that it's not easiest, but it just makes sense almost to you're with the same people all the time, kind of. But on the smaller ships, I think you are introduced to more people and everyone's just like more unified in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah. More opportunity to go outside of your job criteria yeah, and, and really you, get to see other people on the ship first. Yeah, like the the crew areas, like the bar and stuff, there's just less people. Okay, so that was still in the Caribbean. And then halfway through that, I was transferred to Ovation of the Seas, which is the brand new ship. So we started, I went to, I flew to Germany and oh my gosh, I felt so dumb. That was my first time out of the country well like in europe i'll say so i didn't have oh man i just remember like going up to like customs and i didn't have any of the paperwork ready and he just looked at me like i was the dumbest the airports in germany make you feel like idiots yeah and i'm like okay and then when you don't speak their language which obviously even more idiot and i'm like help yeah when i went to germany i literally was like hello don't know what i'm doing can someone please help me and you are wow it is like like flashing lights in your face. You're like, I don't know what to do. But I don't, don't know what you to do. feel like once you get through kind of each step of the process, you're like, you, you I feel did like that. you become a professional. Yes, I'm yes. like, I accomplished that. Like, I'm it. Yes, yeah, actually, one thousand percent. By the time you get to your gate, you're like, I just went through ten fucking obstacles to get here, and yes. now I know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> so this ship was unique. Like I said, it was still being built basically. So the crew was joining at different times. I joined in Germany. We short shortly thereafter. We went to England. And we were on board as things were getting finished. So we helped in the setup. Mm -hmm. And then we were cruising through um, like Netherlands, France. Oh my God. Belgium, Spain, Italy, Greece. We went through the Suez Canal. I'm so jealous. Yeah. So jealous. That is so cool. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. Like we were in the Middle East, stopped in Dubai and Jordan. Crazy. That's unbelievable. I know. Um, 
this is random. We were in some strip of water. I can't think of the name now that I'm put on the spot. But they brought on, they were English like secret service type of role. Okay, I don't know what their official titles were. Basically, they were snipers, and we had to do these drills because there were pirates. Listen, listen. We had a pirate drill because there were pirates on this, in this strip of water. In, like, the canal? Yes. And have you ever seen the movie um, Captain Philip? No. I watched it on that ship, and I was shook. It's, like, about pirates. Because pirates are real. Yeah, but so I just remember at one time we had to do this drill where you have to get away from all the windows. And, yeah, it was just during this. It was, like, two nights only. But we couldn't be on the top deck. Yeah, it was really My crazy. heart's racing listening to you. I would have, especially at 22, oh, lordy. So that ship started, it, it was going to, Singapore is where I signed off. So oh. I did all those stops there. I didn't get to spend any time in Singapore. I feel like I was outside for maybe a half hour. But then I flew home from there in June 2016 just to kind of wow. put a timestamp. Then my very final contract was out of Seattle. It started Seattle to Alaska, and then we did a crossing from Seattle to Australia. So we stopped in, like, Fiji, Hawaii to get to Australia. And then I was in Australia for a couple months. Sydney, it, we, we docked in Sydney, and then we went to these super small islands. And then I flew home my final contract from Sydney. After COVID's done, I think I'm going to work on a cruise ship so that I can live life and no. just travel the world. Are you kidding? That sounds so cool. It was. I mean, it was a lot of work, too. Oh, absolutely. It, this is definitely the glorified part. And we're about to get into the hard the shifts, details. the things that you learned. Like, yeah. Because that is, it comes with a lot of, you had to literally adapt to change. Take us through a typical day. What, what was it like? being an employee on a cruise ship because like you said we just said yeah it's really cool you're in the Bahamas but did you it's not all fun and games you were working working. so it's really hard to do like a day in the life because every day was different so different which is so cool too yeah and it even depends you know days at sea look different from when you're docked at a port um like I think I mentioned because days at sea you have to entertain people Right, the guests are there 24-7. So sea days are typically much busier. And then port days. So for a port day, I was lucky. Some positions don't work like this. Like housekeeping, for example, they don't get the opportunity to get off the ship as much as other departments. So some days I could get off the ship and maybe I didn't start working until 6 p.m., like I mentioned. And then you're working maybe until midnight or later, or you could work a full day when other people are off the ship on a port day, but then have your evening off. So you could like get dinner, stuff like that. Um, But then a sea day, it's like you could work for a few hours in the morning, have a break. I napped all the time. Another chunk, break, another chunk. It really, it just varied. So that was, I guess, work schedule. Yeah. And I will say... It's refreshing because I, so I was in the cruise division. So I did a lot of different things on the ship. Like we would assist with shows or events, stuff outside of the kids club was also That's a fun. good change of pace. Yeah. yeah. What was the, um, the dating? Because are you kidding me? That's like the world cup. You have every single flavor at the tip of your fingers. <laughs> 
Okay, I will say Italian tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Tomorrow, I'll be like, you know what? I'm in. I'm. I'm I'm ready for some tea. Let me go get a Brit. Um. (laughs) So I'll say for like dating and partying, I'll kind of group those together. It's. Everything is not dramatized, magnified maybe. Like you experience, I guess this doesn't just apply to dating and partying, just the experience in general. Your feelings are magnified and things happen, I feel like, twice as fast just because you're in this bubble of the same people and you're all feeling the same things. Yeah, and so it's just – and okay, think about like holidays when you're all away from your family, you lean on each other or – when you're partying, you're partying like 50 times the level of normal because you know that you might not see these people ever again. Wow. Does that make sense? Oh, my God. I want to so, go to a, a crew deck party now. Oh, my gosh. So, okay. Especially for all the flavors. On the flavor flav side of the dating. Clearly, I need some flavors. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll say this. I think some crew members... They'll have a different life at their home on land than they do on ships. Like, I'm not exaggerating. Some have families at home, but then on ships, they're single. They're the bachelor, and you're like, oh. But then you find out that that's not real, and then it's a fantasy. Yeah, it's very on ships is a fantasy. Yeah, and it's a it's a I'm about to live this fake life, and then when we're done, where you never see each other. Oh my god, it sounds like Vegas. Yes, or I think it can do the opposite, though, where you think, like, oh, this is meant to be. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) No, but I think, do you know what I'm saying? Where Yeah, because it's passion, and you're with each other all the time. It's probably like The Bachelor, exactly, because you're with them 24-7. And the outside world. fantasized because you're just like, (gasps) Yes, and. Every waking moment together. Everything can seem so perfect because there's only so many issues that happen in your little bubble. Like, you really don't have a lot of communication with your life at home. The outside world, no. Yeah. I mean, now I think they have more access to Wi-Fi, but I used to have to pay for Wi-Fi, like my first two contracts, I think. I barely talk to people that often, I guess. See, that's the coolest part is that you were literally taken out of your everyday life and you really had to adapt to, all right, I'm not, I can't be glued to my phone. Yeah. I don't have access to support whenever I want it. Yeah. So I think on the dating side, all I'll say is things were very heightened like your feelings grew quick you can't really trust people that sounds so jaded I can't trust people today so I I know but in that environment when you really you know the person so well but then at the same time you you don't don't know a whole other side of them because you could be completely somebody else Hmm. yeah you could really sounds like dating today and and then okay I'll say about the parties the crew parties were insane so we would have themed parties and then there were some times where we would rent out like a guest space but the funnest but the Europeans party like animals they they got they got introduced to alcohol so young when I went to Europe when I turned 18 in Europe the clubs in Germany were insane and all these kids were 18 so I can only imagine what it's like it was like everyone was at that level the the most fun times I think were crew parties in the crew bar, which was the most unglamorous thing that you can imagine. Just drinks for like a dollar. Everyone's dancing. You're just oh, it was probably electric. How oh, cool. it was. But then like there I said, were, flavors. There were also cabin parties. So keep in mind, in a cabin, it was 
if you think a dorm room is small, it is like half of that. You could, I could be in the bathroom sitting on the toilet with my feet in the shower, washing my hands <laughs> at the same time. Your closet was like the size of a shoebox. Oh, it was just small. But, but then at, I'm like, how do we have 15 people in here? And we're, how I, did you? P- three people sitting on the top bunk, five people on the bottom, people on the floor. It was just, we would do these like themed cabin parties. So one was around Who got the world. invited to them? Your friend, anyone. Your friends, oh, but then it's such if a small space. But then if you walked by someone having a cabin party, you could pop your head in. Oh my gosh! What was it like living in such a small space with someone? How did you adapt to that? How did you? So I think you just, in a way, you don't have any other option, mm-hmm. right? You just figure out how to. I'm really lucky. I got along with all my roommates really well. Um, I probably would have been kicked out from all my roommates. There was one I remember. I ended up switching out, not because of her, but I walked in and she had, she was uh, on like the crew staff. So she had a lot of formal dresses hanging everywhere. It felt very claustrophobic. Like her room. Yeah. I'm like, where am I supposed to put my stuff? But yeah, I don't think you have an option to complain, Pitch a really. Fit. Yeah. yeah, you make it work. I do think with the, the small rooms in general, it did make me almost appreciate, like, that small amount of space. One, because you're not in there very often. I was in there to basically to, like, sleep yeah. or getting ready. But also, you do realize you don't need as much space as you think. Oh, absolutely. And it was less to clean less to keep up with like it was it's for because the best. We, we are used to so many things that it's nice to kind of take it away and yeah love that yes wow you're making me really am I painting a picture for you envious yes I and I'm like really st- I'm still back on the flavors of the week like I am just sitting here thinking okay like, but you're dramatizing it in your head like yes but then also, guys, well, they're the same. They are the same. They're assholes. Because when I went on, I went on a cruise ship for, I went on a cruise with my friend Erica when we graduated college, and oh, every night I met someone new from a different country, and I was like, oh, I'm going to Australia tonight, and like then I, I was hanging out with someone from Brazil, like it was, and I'm like, oh my god, imagine being on a ship with them for five months. It was no, it so, was awesome. I'm over here all like, oh shit. Um, okay. What is the difference between, like, you graduated college and you're doing this? Mm -hmm. Where were these people overseas? Where were they in their stage in life? Like, what was it like? Everyone coming together. Yeah. I think majority of that age group was doing it the same reasons that I was, just to explore the world, meet new people. Post-college or just in general? So my position, you had to have a college degree there were others that you did not. So I would say majority of other crew members do this job because they're making more money than they can where they're from. Like by the time that they switch over the the currency of US dollars, they're they're getting like really good money. But then so there's just all different types of people. Like there was I'm just thinking of specific people. Like one of my coworkers, she was probably mid to late 30s. Her husband worked on the ship in another department, Columbia, and they, this was their normal life. Then there were. So her and her husband worked on the cruise ship. Yes. For, they've done, they've done many contracts. So they got to share a cabin together? Yes. Okay. Yeah. You can share a cabin if you put in like a 
I don't know what it's called. A like request. a couple relationship request. Okay. Yeah. Um, then there's people that were a lot older that were doing it again to provide for their kids back at home, wow. their grandkids. Yes. And sometimes when I think about them, I'm like, how are you still doing this? This is such a unique way of living. I feel like I would have been burnt out by that time. But I would say majority of the people were single or had someone at home, but basically single. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know if that really answers your question. There was all types of people. And that for me was refreshing because to be honest here, I think the norm, like we kind of talked about at the beginning is a lot of people find their person during college or right after, and then they're planning their their future with that. And that was not the place that I was in. And it was kind of comforting being around other people who were in that same place. It made me realize there's no rush. People do it like on their own timeline. Absolutely. What I just, what you just made me think about is it really puts in perspective of privilege. You were on there because you wanted to explore and travel. And there's people on there who are literally doing it to survive. And so that would really help me reflect and be like you need to never take this opportunity for granted because oh yeah there's so many people across the world who it like was you said that is an amazing job opportunity for people who are in countries that can't even make a living off of certain jobs that are offered it was very eye-opening on so many levels that and I mean I'm meeting people from countries that I didn't even know existed yes. or the ugh, this is such a crazy story someone I worked with Iggy she is from Lithuania, okay? And she told me this story, and she's also the one that made me hate tequila, by the way. She told Which me this story. Which is devastating since tequila is my drink, my vice. It used to be mine. Okay, she t- said, told me this story. She was in elementary school, and she was sitting at her desk in Lithuania during a storm, okay? And right by her desk, there was a map of the world. And she said she circled this little baby tiny... Um, island she had no idea where it was and she just said i'm gonna go there someday okay then she told the story it was on the ship that we did a crossing and we were in oh now i can't remember hawaii or fiji one of the two and she's like i have made my dreams come true because i never thought this place was real or that i'd be there and we were there oh that just gave me chills isn't that just crazy so i don't know you just learn things like that about what different people value yes and you're all so different, but at the same time, there is this weird sense of belonging and similarity Unity. with everyone because it's like I said earlier, you're celebrating holidays together or hard times. You're going through it with someone there. People get horrible news when you're there and they don't have anyone but the people you're around to get through that with. So you just learn a lot about people, where they're from, different cultures, all, all over. What I think would be the coolest part is, I don't know if you have an example of this, is value. Like, I feel like in the United States, what we value sometimes is not the best. We Like, the Midwest way, you, you find a husband, you get a job, you get married, yada, yada, yada. What is something that I feel like Europeans value independence and explore and travel and go live your life? There's no rush to an end goal versus I feel like there's always specifically in the Midwest, I don't know how it is with other areas of the world, but there's this rush to get to an end point, which I feel like, did you meet people over there that was just like, 
that helped you gain, like, take, what was your takeaway from some of those people to how to live your life when you came back home? So it's interesting you say that because I just thought of this, but what you were just saying about the Midwest way, I actually do feel like there is that everywhere, but that's not maybe what's glorified, what we see. Like, we think of, like you were saying, maybe Europe as they're valuing something totally different. But then when I think about it, I'm like, there were Europeans that I met who were very, who were married and only thinking about their family and being on this timeline. I don't know if I'm answering your question right, but I guess I will say something I learned is just nothing is as serious as we think it is. Mm -hmm. And it was just refreshing. I think now that I look back at it, seeing people who were older than we are now, maybe just starting ships for the first time or, and for different reasons, some did it for the money or whatever but I just think it's refreshing to know that there's other options than like the linear path in front of us I love that you got to do what feels you've been to more countries and met more people around the world than some people can say they'll ever meet in their entire life that's the thing when I think back and if I would have stuck with kind of what was safe for me which would be finding a job you know close to home yes yeah which there's nothing wrong with it because some people if their calling is to, you know, teach or become a dentist or a doctor or whatever and stay, they they have their path maybe. Yeah. And that works for so many people. But when I think back, if I would have done that, I mean, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have these experiences that changed my life for sure. Absolutely. That's amazing. What was the best part of ships and what was the worst part? Whew, okay, I'm going to start with... The worst, even though it's not even that bad. But I would say the worst is not much different than what's our normal life, like land life. So you're going to work with lazy people or there's going to be grumpy guests that you encounter. You're going to get tired. You know what I'm saying, though? Because it's, it's still that- a job. You still have to show up. You still have to be a professional. You still have to put a smile on for faces of people who are not respecting you the way they should. Right. And there were some. I'm trying to think of like a tragic guest story because I know there are some but I'm just nothing is ringing a bell right now I would never be unhappy if I knew I was having Italian on Thursday and I was going to be having oh as a crew member you're saying Mexican on Friday and if I was surrounded by so many people I would literally not care I would be like oh my god they're so grabby yes but that's the glorified thought of it but when you're in it it's not as glamorous as you're making it right now you're not at a buffet just like picking out the man that you want that night I mean in a way I guess you are but it's not that I'm like stuck at the buffet and you're like Nicole we moved on yeah so I guess the the worst part in summary is no different from normal life yeah you know dealing with crabby people or working when you're tired um And then I think this is a mixture of like the best and the worst is that everything is very magnified and you feel things on such an extreme level. So on like the worst side, I was only sick on ships like a handful of times, but it was just bad. You, you're not able to. You get home sick when you're sick. Yeah. And even just, I was very comfortable in my cabins. Like I always felt good, but you just. You're just moving. Like, I remember one day my throat hurt so freaking bad, and I was laying in my bed in the ship. It was, like, a very rocky cruise. Oh, God. And I don't – I didn't get seasick, but I was just, like, 
can this thing stop moving and just chill out? I don't feel good. I just want to, like, be still. Damn it. Oh, God, nothing worse than seasick. Every Both cruises that I've taken in my life, I have gone seasick. Really? Oh, yeah, and I get rock dock really bad. For those who don't know what rock dock is, that means when you're on land and you're not moving, you feel like you're moving. So then the nausea never ends. Never ends. Did you wear a band? Yes, and one time I took Dramamine and I passed out during an event. Literally took a nap. I was like... (sighs) There was the, the first... Because my first two ships, it was so big that you really didn't feel much. But I remember my mom visited one cruise and it was for some reason just a very rocky cruise and I remember seeing all like the seasick bags on the staircases and I was thinking did you get to stay with your mom in her room when she visited it's a whole thing because if you're caught in a guest area when you shouldn't be it's a big thing but I did I filled out a thing like a form and stuff yeah but it wasn't I never puked but I Definitely had to hang out with the parents when I didn't want to. Yeah. Oh. Because I was that that, I was that girl when I was young. Dang. But then when I went on my college trip with my friend, um, she was the one who puked. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. Then shout out to Erica. (laughs) She had to leave dinner, and I was like, "Where is she?" (laughs) The waiter goes, "Where is she going?" And I was like, "She's the little motion sickness." (laughs) Nicole. (laughs) I love you, Erica. Um, and then I would just say the best part was. The people in traveling. When I I was thinking about all the different people that I've met, and so many I'm still in contact with, and they're from, okay, just picture this. All these people sitting together eating. China, Macedonia, Spain, Mexico, Peru, Brazil, in- Romania. Incredible. Insane, right? Incredible. And then, I mean, traveling was just, I didn't even really know what I was getting myself into. Like I said, there were countries I hadn't even heard of and I was meeting guests from there or I was there and it was just Oh, I would have learned a new language on the boat. I was able to learn enough Spanish to speak with kids. Cuando, wait, hold on. Cuando la pelota te pega en tu cabeza, tú estás fuera. Oh, that was good, Mel. Oh my God. That means when the ball hits your head, you're out. That was a game. Wow. I can't speak a lick of another language. It, ma- it did make me think how I wish I would have tried harder in Spanish in high school and kept up with it because so beneficial. And I felt just like a dumbass when you're sitting at a table with people who speak three plus languages. When I like, hear people speak two plus languages, I'm like, I failed in life with that. I can only speak English. I've tried. Yeah. It makes you feel a little bad about yourself. The takeaway from you, what would you like everyone to take away? I think if you are curious about something or feel even the smallest pull towards something, like mine was as general as I think I want to do something that involves traveling, look into it. And if something's legit, why not try it? Worst case, you do it for a month. And if it's not for you, you come leave. Yeah. Love that. Mm -hmm. Even with moving, like you shared with you moved to Memphis and you were there for three months and you came back. Yeah, that just... You still you still went somewhere. I've never moved. Still top of the list of regrets. I wish I did that. It's not too late. There is still time. Absolutely. Yeah, now let's cool. move. Okay. Okay. I'll do my podcast overseas. I'm down. We've talked about where did we say we would move to? London Australia. or Australia? Australia. Australia. Hello, mate. Hello. I could use me a little 
Aussie. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. I met one. I've met some of Mallory's friends from ships, and they were. Yes. I met your aunt. Um, who was he? was from Aussie, Australia. Aussie, Frankie, Paula, and Marco. Yes, from Spain. Yep. Crazy. Very cool. I will say when my ship was in Australia, it's similar. It was more similar to the U.S. than I thought, but also just crazy. It's just different. Oh, incredible. It kind of reminds me of when I might have to do a whole episode on when I had exchange students. Yeah, you should. Um, it reminds me of that because I've met a lot of people from different countries and I've had three live with me for a year and you really learn about a lot. And it's incredible. They were 15 and came and lived with a strange family. It makes me wish I would have done something like that when I was younger. Me too, but I was such a nervous Nelly. I literally was such a homebody. I would get homesick. I, that's why I envy you too, because I still would like, that's why I didn't move post-college because I convinced myself that I would get homesick and our brain is a powerful thing. Which is weird because you don't actually go home that much. No, my parents live 20 minutes away and I probably see them once a month. It's like the comfort in knowing you could if you wanted to. Correct. Yeah. But shame on me for having the access to and not... Sorry, family. I will be taking more time to see you guys, especially my nephew, my little nug nug. Mm. That's a bit of a hike. They moved a little bit too far. That is a... That is a bit of a hike. But, okay. So, I would like to end with... I ask all of my... I'm going to be asking since you're my first guest. <laughs> who embodies the lady in pink? Because... To recap, the Lady in Pink is a persona. It's you embodied it post college. It's just going unconventional and stepping outside of the quote unquote normal, the what's next. It's being bold, it's trying new things, being authentic. Who is your inspiration for the Lady in Pink? So I would say. My mom and my sister both, because I also think if I talk about my sister first, the lady in pink is someone who is kind, open to all types of people. Yes. Yeah. My sister, I think, is the most. First of all, she's loyal. She'll do anything for the people in her life. Loving, open minded, kind. I think that's the lady in pink. Also authentic to herself. Yes. And my mom embodies the lady in pink because she knows what she wants and she speaks up for herself and sh- the people she cares about, but she also knows what she deserves. And she's not afraid to push back if something isn't up to the standard that she wants. Love that. Thank I you. I love that because I think a lot of us need to stand up for ourselves more, speak up for ourselves more, advocate for ourselves more, and stop putting ourselves last and putting ourselves first because it's not selfish. It's actually admirable. Yes, I agree. And my last thing that I want to end with is how, what is something that you can work on to continue to like challenge yourself? Like what is something that you could work on that you don't push yourself? Well, I think just in kind of preparing for this and trying to recap things from ships, it took me back to that place and it reminded me of that freedom that I felt and just, I know things are unique right now because of COVID, COVID, but it just made me remember what I love about that life, the people, the traveling. So I think... And what you're capable of. Yeah. So I think just pushing myself to try new experiences and also just explore new places. And I think it doesn't have to be on such a large scale as go to Iceland and see how it is. It can even be something 
an everyday thing, like trying a new workout class or going to a different restaurant. I mean, those sound so minuscule, but... But it's not. Do you know what I mean? It's trying it. And what I liked, the reference of you when you said you had to go back and look and remember this is when you're stuck, when you're feeling lost... Go back. Go back to think about who you were in middle school. Think about who you were in high school. Think about, like, go back to the beginning and the basics of when you didn't have all these fears and anxieties. And remember those feelings. And I think that will help give you the confidence to be like, I've had this before. I used to feel this way. I used to do that. And I can do it again. Because we've all had it before. I think over time we, we lose ourselves a little bit. Yeah, and we just get caught up in the mundane of every day. We do, and we get caught up in the milestones and our little gold stars. And I think you can earn gold stars in different ways. Totally. Because we've already learned, we've earned a lot of gold stars. Have we? Yes. Yeah, we have. A lot of them. Literally can't think of an example right now, but... (laughs) I'm like, shit, what's a cool start? <laughs> you know, like, got the college degree. Girl, we are living alone. We, Mallory and I are both single. Walking into yeah. 2022. Um, Shockingly. You know what? We won't even address that topic. That's a topic for another time. Mal <laughs> might have to come back on because she is my, like I said, twin flame when it comes to that. But I just want to say thank you, Mallory, for coming on. I really appreciate you sharing your story. This takes a lot of courage as well to speak. It's not easy to to speak and I hope I was interesting enough. Mallory, absolutely. Thank you. I learned so much listening to you. And Good. I'm inspired. And I just am really really proud of you as my first guest. You you crushed it. <laughs> Ew, I hate that I just said it like that. Crushed it. But I am on Instagram at the Lady in Pink Podcast. You know what, guys? I will do a little post about Mallory so y'all can see her too because she's a little gorgeous, <sighs> gorgeous soul of a butterfly. Ew. And my foot fell asleep. Oh, my God. And I am on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google. I will be on Stitcher. I had someone reach out to me and tell me to get on Stitcher snap back hot commodity <laughs> so let me know if if i'm not on a um on a platform let me know i will get on there again if you have a story you want to share or there's a topic specifically you guys would like me to address let me know if you want to be a guest let me know and i will see you guys next tuesday bye bye going to touch base on my sponsor the master and maker they are a custom jewelry design company that works directly with their clients to create the vision exactly the way you want it from beginning to end it is a really cool experience he is offering 10 percent off the consult fee with code tlip10 aaron can be found on instagram at master and maker and he also has an online store and his storefront is actually located in south milwaukee So if you're looking for that custom experience, Aaron is your guy.